I can't think of a better message prior to the actual Christmas celebration itself where we think about the hope that we have. And Stephen, thank you. It's a living hope is what the Word says, what the Bible says. And we've just sung about that. You do understand that in this time of season when we are celebrating the birth of Christ, the reality is He was born to go to the cross so that we could experience a crown. Stop and think about that. He was born in a cradle intended for the cross so that you and I can have a crown. That ought to make the birth in the manger all that more special to us. And as we've been talking about these different facets of Advent, I think hope is so pertinent, so relative to where we are today because we are living in a world that there are a lot of folks feeling hopeless. I remember a few years ago when I started taking students over to Japan and it it just amazed me the high suicide rate in, in Tokyo because here were students that literally were going to school seven days a week because if they didn't go seven days a week They wouldn't get the education they needed and they probably wouldn't wind up with a job because so many people and so few jobs were so competitive and they began to be hopeless and the suicide rate was skyrocketing. And I thought, wow. Do you realize that's happening here? We're not going to school seven days a week. But there is a hopelessness that is going through our country right now. We are a nation divided. I don't know if you've been following it, but the stock market was soaring and everyone was going, yeah, 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 even if they didn't have money in it. And then it's been crashing. And I'm amazed at the number of folks who that's their trust. And they have no hope because it is just tanked. They're they're comparing the stock market now to 1931 drop during the Depression. And it's just bumming out people right and left. But we have a living hope. It's not controlled by education. It's not controlled by jobs. It's not controlled by the stock market. It's not controlled by your relationship with each other. It's a living hope in Jesus Christ. So I bring you good news today. No, I, I bring you great news today. A word for all nations that Jesus has come to bring us hope. I want us to look at uh, some slides, and I'm going to put them on the screen, just to remind us that the first one is a reminder, and then we're going to go a little bit deeper in it, but why we celebrate Advent, why we've been doing this since the first Sunday in December, it's because Advent reminds us 
Advent is about waiting. Advent is also helping us to understand what's really important. And it is also helping us to understand our part in the process. Because as we experience love and joy and peace and hope, we have the part in the process of sharing it with others around us who don't have that love, joy, peace, and hope. Look at this uh, quote, the next one. Advent is about waiting, and it comes from the Latin word, which means coming. But it wasn't about just the coming the first time. It actually is talking about three comings, the past, the present, and the future. The past is when we celebrated the the first coming, the, the birth of the Christ child. But the present coming is that He has sent His Holy Spirit into us So that we can experience him right now as a person and as a family of faith through salvation. And then we're looking forward to the future. We're looking forward to the future. He is coming again, the perusa. It's going to happen. Could be today. Don't know. None of us do. But we better be ready, because when he comes, that's it. Listen to what she goes on to say, another quote. We must do more than simply go through the Advent calendar. We need to develop an Advent heart, a heart of love, joy, peace, and hope. And then the last one from her. It's not simply the birth of the child that the season celebrates. It is the awareness of the ongoing work of God within him, the foundation of our own hope for liberation that marks our lives and lifts our hope. And that's what I want us to look at today. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. As I shared with you earlier, we're we're going through some of these passages of Scripture multiple times because they keep talking about love, joy, hope, and peace. You know, we keep finding them, sometimes all together, sometimes just a facet, sometimes a combination of it. And I want to go back. This is the one we looked at last week where we were talking about peace. But it also talks about hope. And so let's go to verse 8 of Romans chapter 15. And let's see what we can find out about the hope that God brings. Look what it says there in verse 8. For I tell you that, the, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness. Now, he's saying there, he came to the Jews. That's what he's saying there. That Christ became a servant to the Jews to show God's faithfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. But here's the good news for us. And in order that the Gentiles may glorify God by His mercy. As it is written. And then Paul does this discourse where he pulls several Old Testament passages out. And he just quotes them. He says, therefore, I will sing you. I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. He gets that out of 2 Samuel 22.50. says, and again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, Deuteronomy 32, 43. And again, praise the Lord, 
all you Gentiles and let all the peoples extol him. Psalm 1849. And then the classic one that we all know out of Isaiah 11.10. And the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles have hope. We can have hope. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's the good news about hope. God is the God of hope. Jesus Christ came to bring that hope to us and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we experience it day by day as He fills us and guides us and directs us and helps us to enjoy the hope that He brings. But sometimes we get discouraged. We get discouraged because we forget what hope really means. In the Old Testament... These verses that he's been talking about and lifting out and things, talk, we, we need to have joy because hope is safety and security and trust. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And in the New Testament, we see hope taking on another dimension. Still has the safety, still has the security still has the trust, but in the New Testament is added that there is a joyful expectation of eternal salvation. That's our hope. Not in us, not in the economy, not in relationships, but in Christ, what He has done for us. And we have that joyful, expectant reality that what we have tasted here, we will see in its fullness when it comes to the time when we're meeting Him face to face and we experience that. So let's not get discouraged. Go back to Isaiah, uh, excuse me, to Psalms. Let's go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, because I think the psalmist was experiencing a little bit of this and we pick it up in verse 1 of Psalm 42. It says... As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? But notice what he says in verse 3. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, when while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? You just sense it in the psalmist's life there. I'm, I'm thirsting for God, but Man, everybody's just just getting on me. and Man, look what he goes on to say. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of gold. God, with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. The psalmist answers his own question. He said, why am I being discouraged? I'm going to hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and 
my God. So the next time you get discouraged because it's all not going well, hope in God, the God of hope brought to you by Jesus Christ, empowered in your life by the Holy Spirit, which He gave you at the point of your salvation. But it's not about us only. It is for us, but it's not about us only. Go to 1 Peter. As a matter of fact, excuse me. Let, let, let's, let's go to Colossians. Colossians, I'm, I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1. Because Paul, as he writes to the church at uh, Colossae, go back up to verse 21. He says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, reproach before him. And then he says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden of ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. See, it's not just about us. Yes, it is for us, but not just about us. We are here to help others experience this. And he says it even more clearly. Now go to 1 Peter. I wanted to jump ahead too fast there. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Man, I love to hear the pages of the Bible turning. Thank you for having your Bible with you. Look what he says in verse 13. Peter's talking to him. He says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone. Anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But, he goes on to say, Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, 
if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We ought to be living in such a way that folks are walking up to you and saying, I don't know what's going on in your life, but there's something happening to you, and I see you dealing with life a whole lot different than I'm dealing with life, and I want to know what makes you tick. I remember the first time that happened to me. I just finished my freshman year of college. Ron and I had been great buddies in high school. He went to one university, I went to another. We hadn't seen each other for nine months. And in my little hometown where I was raised, uh, we, we had an exciting Saturday night. We would drag Maine one mile up, one mile back, one mile up, one mile back, until we got to thinking, hmm, this is costing money. Let's just park in the grocery store parking lot and pop ourselves on the hood, and we'll talk and watch other people spend their money. And I was sitting on the hood of my car, and all of a sudden, Ron comes roaring down the road and pulls up next to me, and he says, Mac, in my car. We got to talk. And I went, whoa, must have been a bad first year at college. <laughs> Come on, Ron, what's happening? And he said, but not here. He said, we got to get away. We got to get away. I got to talk to you. And I said, okay. And so we pulled out of the parking lot, went half a block down the road, and he pulled over to the curb and stopped. And <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> half a block. And he turned off the car, and swiveled around, and he looked at me, and he said, I want to know. He said, I want to know. He said, you remember in high school when we were in study hall, how we used to go into the little study hall booth? We, we had a glassed-in corner in our library where we could go to study. And because we were in that little class-in area, we could talk, which wasn't permitted in those days in the library, and he said, you remember how we used to talk and act like we were studying? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he said, remember how we used to always eventually get to the dirty jokes? And I said, yep, I remember that. And he said, and I remember you too. You would just quietly get up and you would just leave. You know what we did after you left? I said, no. We laughed at you. Because you weren't the cool guy. But we watched you. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know what's different about you, but whatever it is, I want it. First response I had was, God, forgive me. I lived it, but I never told anybody about him. And that was bad on my to know that I could live for Christ in a lifestyle that they had no idea why I was different. I never told them. They knew I went to church and everything. They didn't recognize any of that. But praise God, at least I had demonstrated something 
by his power that caught their attention. And I said, listen, the only difference between me and you is Jesus Christ. And I had the privilege of leading my best friend to Jesus Christ that night in his car. We must be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about Jesus Christ. And we need to live for them and we need to demonstrate it in a tangible way. And that can be any number of ways. I want to show you a short video. I want you to see how a football coach took a real risk and said, I want to demonstrate to some young men who don't have any hope because they're incarcerated and I want to give them reason to have hope. Watch the video. When you walk around the grounds of Gainesville State School, you'll see just about everything you would on any other high school campus. There are students, teachers, a computer lab, and a gym. Except here, the students are convicted criminals. It's an incarceration facility for kids that have uh, violated law. Each day starts at a tiny dorm room they call home and continues marching from class to class, abiding by a strict schedule. In fact, the one thing that makes them feel like kids again is football. It's like you can remove them out on campus, you know what I'm saying? Everybody want to play on the football team. Just to put on a Tornado's uniform is a reward, not a right. You must have good behavior and good grades. Not to mention, every game is played on the road, but it's worth it to escape on Friday nights and enjoy a small piece of freedom they gave up. But each week, there comes that constant reminder of who they are and what they've done. They don't treat us as a regular person in the world. They treat us like we're just some alien, just from somewhere out, just out of nowhere. I mean, they look at us like animals in a cage, like we don't deserve a second chance or another opportunity to be something in life. After hearing the ridicule and losing eight straight weeks, the Tornadoes were once again on the road, traveling to play private school power Grapevine Faith for the first time, who had moved up a division. Their head coach, Chris Hogan, had a game plan in mind, and it had nothing to do with football. We were going to show them that in this country, if you make the right decisions, people will get on your side and support you, and it doesn't matter what your background is, you can make it. In a selfless suggestion, Coach Hogan sent out an email and requested his fans, his players, parents, do something so out of the ordinary in the football culture. He asked them to cheer for Gainesville State. These young men will not have any fans outside of the faculty from their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some Lion fans to sit on the visitor side and cheer for the Gainesville team throughout the game. I thought, okay, this is, this is cool that Chris wants us to do this, leading up to it. But getting there that night, it was so easy to transition from being a fan for the Faith Lions to a fan for the Tornadoes. You know, the idea of, uh, of giving uh, and just being there to support those kids, those young men that have never had that before. So for the first time, the always-on-the-road Tornadoes would feel as if they were at home. And as kickoff approached, it was obvious something was different. It looked like they thought they were at the wrong end of the field because they know they don't have any fans. And we were just looking. I just looked. I just kept doing my plays. But I seen how they were split up, but I figured they just didn't have enough room on their side. I want y'all to line up in line. They make, they're making a spirit line. I'm like, say what, coach? What you say? Can you beat that? 
And uh, he said, they're making a spirit line for y'all to run through. i like, yeah, that's what's up, sir. That's what's up. When it happened, it was just, it was dynamic. It was one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen. When I ran through this, like, I felt like it was just like some, like, angels was on me. That's all I, that's all I felt. I was just running through it as fast as I can. I just feel the wind rushing my face. That feeling of being unleashed lasted throughout the game, and so did the cheers. We had a penalty like the third play of the game, and I heard booing behind me. I turned around, and it was the, the great man fan. I remember when I was making like a play, I made a chocolate, and people yelling my name. I'm like, I don't even know these people. They were just like ours that night. I, I can remember rooting for their little quarterback, and I felt like he belonged to me. Our kids were their kids, and their kids were our kids, and all kids were the same. It wasn't enough to lead the Tornadoes to victory. As expected, Grapevine Faith won 33-14, and the Tornadoes finished the season 0-9. But it didn't matter, because for the first time in a long time, someone was in their corner, and that alone was worth celebrating. I was like, hey, y'all, this, this is going to get close, man. I don't care. I don't care if we lost tonight, man, because I was feeling good. I feel like we were in the Super Bowl championship game or something. Like, we won that. I mean, winning, like, in our heart, spiritual-wise, I mean, we won. I've, I've been in state championships of different kind, and there's nothing was like this. Nothing. Isaiah and the rest of the Tornadoes will never forget the feelings they had on that night. And while it didn't erase the mistakes they've made, it showed 14 teenagers that regardless of the bad things they've done in their past, there was reason to look ahead. I cried. <laughs> when I, when, when after the game, I went back to my room, I cried. I think that your, your family are the only ones that love you. God ain't the only one that love you. Other people love you too. This is what I was hoping and praying would happen. I hope that it gave them hope. I see world in a different way now. I mean, I'll just see, like, I'm the victim no more. So much love because, you know, I came from a broken home family. So, I mean, having all that love, it just, just rose my spirits up. They got to be kids that night. They got to be a teenager and experience Friday Night Football in Texas. Did you hear what the Christian coach said? I hope that they would experience hope. Just by being on their side. We're getting ready to leave this place in just a few moments. And you're going to go into a world where folks feel like they're alone. The world's crashing in on them. Christmas is supposed to be a happy time, but it may be some of the toughest days for some folks. We need to give them hope. Not just cheering for them, but telling them about a Christ who from a cradle went to a cross for them, just like he went for you and me. So that someday we could experience a crown of life because of what he has done. And that's what Advent is all about. Finding our part in the process to helping others find the love, the joy, the peace. And the main thing is the hope it can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? If you're here today and you've never experienced that hope, pray today. You will say, today, 
I want to meet this Jesus. I want to be like Ron. I, I just tell me, tell me. Somebody tell me. And today I invite you to meet Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you have Jesus, but you know he's speaking to you and he's got something specific in store for you today, tonight, tomorrow, the rest of your life. And you're saying, I want to be that. Not, not just on Advent Sunday when we talk about hope, but I want to be the hope communicator throughout every day of my life telling folks about Jesus Christ. Father, would you move? Would you help us to sense what you are saying to us that we could bring you glory by introducing people to you, by bringing you glory by us being obedient to you in baptism and a faithful walk with Christ, that we can bring you glory by being intentional about being in service for you, for your glory, in Christ's name. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed while the instruments play. If there's a decision you need to make, some men will be down here at the front. They'll be glad to pray with you, talk with you, help you in any way. If there's a decision you need to make, you come while the instruments play. Now is your opportunity to respond to whatever God is saying to you in your heart.
get ready to leave this morning, let me take you to Titus. I want you to hear what he had to say. And I want us to go in this spirit. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions who are zealous for good works. May you go in the Spirit of Christ, his Holy Spirit, and may you share that hope with people you come in contact with. Not just today, not just Christmas Eve, not just on Christmas Day, but for the rest of your life that they might become the possession of God. He created them and He wants them in His family for eternity. Go. Be the church and have a great Christmas. We'll see you tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock for Christmas Eve.